Hi everyone and welcome to Nettie's Corner, a podcast about all things mental health and mental wellness. And for today I have a recording that I did with my friend Jacob. He is the co-owner and lead host of the um, How Did I Get There podcast. He's been a guest on my previous podcast, Basic Latina, and he asked me to be on an Instagram live in May for um, Mental Health Awareness Month. And it was actually really nice to kind of have this conversation on live and answer some of the uh, people's questions about mental health. So I hope you guys really, really enjoy this episode. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe if you like this episode, and make sure you follow How Did I Get There on Instagram. Um, they also publish a lot of YouTube videos. So support Jacob. Let me know what you think about this episode. And as always, stay well and take care. Uh, I'm going to just ask her. <laughs> like, talk about exactly what a clinician does and, like, you know, the differences in titles and stuff. Sure. So I think a lot of people get hung up, especially now because people are looking for a therapist. They confuse like therapist, clinician, counselor, social worker. We all wear the same hat because we all go to school to be the same thing. Basically, once you go to school for social work, you could really do anything. Um, I've worked at schools and correctional facilities. Now I worked in a hospital. I've worked in outpatient clinics and every place has a different title. Um, clinician interestingly enough in massachusetts clinicians are anyone who provides direct work so dermatologists um doctors nurses therapists those are all clinicians um Um, but say you go on like psychology today and you click in therapist you're gonna therapist is somebody who sits with you one-on-one um when somebody thinks of like social worker they think like dcf um someone who is like on doing on the ground work, you know, helping the homeless. Um, a lot of kind of like that old school kind of social working kind of stuff. So, but I do all the above, like as a clinician, because um, especially in the social work field, you can't just cater to one thing. It's the whole person you have to take care of. And particularly with these youth, they're incarcerated for, you know, whatever petty crime that they're incarcerated for. And then my job is to make sure that when they go out in the community, that their needs are met, honestly. So that might not mean um, traditional, like one-on-one therapy. That might mean that they have to do like a creative arts program. They might need like a mentor. Um, Perhaps they've been on medication. I have to help set that up for them. But so I'm in charge of making sure that all that stuff is coordinated for like the whole like metro region. Um, So that's kind of what I do. Yeah. Got you, got you. Um, and I, I want to thank both of y'all because Sarai brought it to my attention um, that this is Mental he- Mental Health Awareness Month. And I remember mm-hmm. I came on to your podcast, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I want to cover mental health. And you were like, just be careful with that um, for, you know, obvious reasons. So it just right, right. have you come in and talk. So what does, um, and you kind of just hit on it, that mental health is, you know, a, a lot of different things. Right. What does a look like? Because I always say, be kind to people. You never know what somebody's going through. Right, right, right. Well, there's. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. From your opinion, what what do you what does it look like to you? It really depends on the person. The sort of clinical term is mental health is the description of what somebody is going through. So whether they're having a chemical imbalance, 
um, and they have a diagnosis, be it be, you know, depression or anxiety, schizophrenia or something like that, that follows them, um, that they're attached to, and that requires medical attention, it requires a, psychi uh, a psychiatrist, it requires medication. So when someone is underneath the umbrella of mental health, you'll hear, you know, a psychologist, psychiatrist, social worker, therapist. So mental health is what basically people are going through and the imbalance is going on. Um, and I think for mental health awareness, month, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's people confuse mental health with um, mental awareness. And there's other like different terms, but I think mental health is a very like clinical term and people just have to be careful, like, you know, with the quarantine and stuff like that, a lot of people are like spewing out a lot of advice on what to do for mental health, but they don't really, it's very much more complex than just telling someone to, you know, go to the gym and, you know, spend time outside. There's people who struggle with like really severe depression and anxiety that get triggered more easily by certain things. There's people who have personality disorders. There's people who are hospitalized. There are people who are suicidal. So I think that we just have to be very like conscious that yes, people, everyone is going through something, but when there's a mental health diagnosis attached, there's a whole different layer and they need more, they need more like professional help basically. Right. No, that, that makes sense. And it, it's good to actually break it down um, that way. And I'm glad you kind of brought up COVID because right now I feel like, you know, I was sitting down with my aunt the other day mm -hmm. and she was like, it's been two months. And she was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of depressed. And, and I've talked to a lot of people that are, are saying mm -hmm. that. So can you maybe speak to like, you kind of just alluded to it, but mm -hmm. the COVID side of it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think what, what everyone who was experiencing now is with, what everybody else who's already depressed and anxious is experiencing. People who've never been sad are sadder. People who have never been depressed are now having waves of depression. People who've never, who made fun of their friends because they're always anxious are now super anxious. So, you know, we're being stripped of our basic rights to do anything. Um, as someone who is, who has a, a clinical depression and anxiety, this is something that I knew was gonna hit people who I, I know like don't struggle with, with this at all. Um, there's so many layers to it because there's people who are working, not working. I have friends who are pregnant, who can't, you know, their appointments are so strange. They have to wear masks and there's all these things. And I think with COVID, it's a really amazing example of what happens to people when everything that they thought was normal is stripped away from them and how we can survive. I think that it is wild that we're put in this situation. Sometimes I feel like we're in the twilight zone because we're really being shown, like, how are we gonna survive? Like how, this is like what all the movies and all, you know, all that stuff that we watch like on TV have always talked about, like people who are going crazy during like a zombie apocalypse and people fighting and getting angry. I haven't gotten to that yet, but I think COVID is showing us that the things that we did before to take care of ourselves are not enough. They're just not. You have to you have to be more intuitive with who you are. You have to uh, prioritize. You have to um, you know be grateful. Like I think that the things that we were worried about before don't matter as much because with COVID nineteen is taking all the material stuff away and leave, and it's leaving you with the bare minimum. You know. 
Um, there's uh, increased amounts of divorce. There's people in abusive relationships staying at home with their partners. There's people staying at home with their kids and they realize like, I don't like, I don't want to be able to, I don't want to homeschool my children. There's couples who are struggling because they realize maybe this is not the person I should be with. So I feel like COVID is really showing us like, this is, is really kind of like showing us like a mirror of what is it that we really need in our lives. And I keep telling this to my friends, I'm like, I feel like honestly, we're going to come out of COVID so much better because there's like so there's like so much that we've been battling and we're just going to be so much stronger and better after this. Maybe not the economy and things are just going to still be weird. And there's plenty of people who are like unemployed and stuff. But I think mentally everyone is going to be stronger because we've had to get creative on how to like deal with stuff. And it, it's tough. It is really tough. Um, and it's hard to give advice when you're also struggling. And I think that this is also one of those situations where we, it's everyone's problem. I think that there's been times in the world where something will happen in another country and, or, you know, somebody gets killed or something like that. And you'll see like people, some people will say stuff and other people won't. And I feel like COVID is the one thing that unites us and makes all of us feel like we're in the same boat. And there's no like, oh, that's not, that's not my problem. That's happening in China. Because if you remember, people were saying that at first about COVID. Right, right. They were like, oh, it's not coming to the U.S. Like, that's China's problem. Like, of course, the Chinese ate a bat and now they're all sick. Like, you know what I'm saying? They were being so rude about it. And then we get it. And it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And now that's a good point to say that it brings us all together. Um, and before we talk about everything, I guess we'll just stay on COVID for right now. Mm -hmm. um, what are some ways to, like, kind of cope with what we're doing because there are so many options. I mean, mm -hmm. limited options, you know what I mean? So in a, in a COVID standpoint, then we'll get back to like mental health as a whole, but since we hopped on the topic, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you want to know what people can do um, with COVID and how to deal with all the time that they have and stuff like that? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, it is, there's a lot, there's a lot. Um, the easiest answer that I can give people is use your resources. Everyone is, is in such a different situation. So that's why, you know, I've been very like careful about giving advice because everyone's going through something different right now. But I would say use whatever's around you to get through COVID. So A, if you're someone who um, already struggles with whatever, if you're struggling um, and you have whatever coping skills that you had and coping skills are the skills that you use to address the triggers. So for example, um, you're triggered by uh, loud noises or something like that. Like you're, you're triggered by somebody yelling because you grew up in an abusive home or an abusive relationship. If your coping mechanism is to go for a walk or listen to music, continue doing that. So if you're the kind of person that you already have like I call them tools in your bucket. That's what we would like tell the kids, like pull out one, some of the tools that are already in your bucket. If gym, for example, there's a lot of people who can't work out. If the gym was your one way to address um, your mental health or anything like that, you can still work out. There are so many people. This is, this is why I said we're all united. There are so many people with free resources, like everyone, everyone, like all these apps that cost money and, 
all these like bloggers and fitness people who usually charge a bunch of money. There's free resources everywhere. Um, all the fitness gurus, everyone, everyone. So I would suggest um, continuing trying to work out, sticking to a routine. To me, mental health or not is the absolute key important thing when it comes to COVID. And I'm not saying to stay productive and have a routine every single day. But routine doesn't have to mean like you're doing something from nine to five, but it's you're doing something that keeps your sanity. If that means grabbing a cup of coffee in the morning, that's your routine. Continue doing that. All because you don't, you're not going to work or you're unemployed does not mean that you don't get to get up, have a cup of coffee, you know, and watch the news or scroll through Instagram and take a shower. Like I would suggest trying to keep things as normal as possible because even though people don't believe it, we're gonna go back to normal. And what I predict is that we're gonna struggle to go back to normal because people are getting very comfortable with this new normal. Your kids are gonna go back to school. The gym is going to open. Like shit is opening this week in Connecticut and Massachusetts. Tennessee's already open, California already opened. And yes, things are going to be different because we still have the social distance and wear a mask. But if you keep that routine, then you won't fall off. Um, if I'm trying to think if cooking is something that is really important to you, continue to cook. I would just say that you have to just continue doing what you were doing before and stick to your routine because that's going to help you throughout your days. And I think the third thing I would say is listen to your body. One, we, we're like, we're chronically just not listening. We just don't listen. We, we talk a lot, we don't listen. Like, and <laughs> we don't listen. Like our body responds to stress. It responds when we're, when we like something, when we don't like something, and we don't do a good enough job of listening to our body now. So if that day you wanna be in bed, be in bed. There is nothing wrong with the fact that we're anxious and depressed more than ever and for you to stay home. There's nothing wrong with that. There are a lot of posts that are saying, do use this time to do this, use this time to do that. If you, you if you come out of this quarantine with nothing but 15 pounds of weight, that's that's on you. That's that's okay. You don't have to do anything. All we have to do right now is survive. Right. And if, right. Sur right. And if survival means to you doing a b and c that you've already done then do that but right now we're we're trying where a lot of people are hanging by the skin of their teeth and they want to know how to get through the day use the people around you make sure you stick to your routine do the things that you've always done and you we have to give ourselves grace because we're living in really uncertain times and there's no magic pill. There's no recipe. You just gotta every day. Every day is different, honestly. Right. No. And I, and I appreciate that. And you brought up a good point about like, um, you know, our kids are eventually gonna go back to school. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if you know, I started working at Canelli in the fall. So, oh, I went to Canelli. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Um, mm -hmm. So we did a, a reverse parade yesterday where like the teachers line up outside the school and the kids drove by with signs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you could see their excitement just to, just to see like us, you know what I mean? And they yeah. were, oh, they miss us. So can maybe you talk to like the 
point that, you know, parents have now been with their kids 24-7 for the last two months, or the fact that the kids are now been in the the house for two months, can you maybe speak to that on, like, how to cope with that or how to deal with that or just how that's been? So I'm not a parent myself, but I know that my friends who have kids, the overlapping theme is that they're grateful to have this time with their kids, and it's also they don't how do I say this? They didn't realize how difficult it was to teach their kids. Like a lot of people are showing much more appreciation to their kids' teachers because school now is way different than when we were in school. Like, the, yeah, no, the running joke of my friends, my, my friends is like, what kind of math are they doing? Because like, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. So well, my friends, me and my friends, what we say to each other, because I have a couple of different, like, friend groups, and my friend groups that are, you know, moms and dads and stuff like that, what they keep saying is that they're doing their best. Like, again, and I think you'll hear, you will hear me say that time and time and time, and time and time again, Jacob, because I think that's all that we can do. Like, parents are just trying to do their best, and what I've seen parents do is breaking up the day, they have a schedule, they try to keep a routine, because kids do well routine as well. You know, that's why kids are in sports. That's why there's a routine in school. So what my friends have been doing is keeping a schedule, make sure to keep things as normal as they can, um, be there for their kids. A A lot of my friends have been taking the time to kind of focus more on home stuff and like not working as much so they're grateful to be home because then they realize oh well i have to do i have to be there more for the kids um and it also depends on if you're like a single parent if you have somebody helping you i know that there's a lot of people who are struggling that just had kids um maybe they're in a single parent household or they don't have a a partner who's helping them and to be honest like even as a therapist unless I know the whole picture, it's very hard to give advice in those situations because what do you do when the person that you're relying on that you live with is not holding up, you know, your end of the bargain? And I think it goes back to what I first said about, like, it really is is reflective for us to think about, like, the people that we're with and the people that are around us and is the situation that I'm in going to be healthy for me after this quarantine? Um, And that's why I say people are trying to do their best. I know friends who are, they're not like breaking the quarantine, but they're they're, like reaching out to their loved ones. They're going to um, grandparents' houses. They're having friends over. They're going for walks, especially because it's nicer out and like things like that. Because what else is there to do, honestly? The kids are going to be on summer summer break soon. So they got to keep them busy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you, you brought up a good point about like the people that are around you, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and I always tell people, you even kind of said it earlier, there's nothing wrong with feeling sad. You know what I mean? There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with feeling how you're feeling. It's just about figuring out why you're feeling that way and then going from there. Right. How, as a friend, um, say, I know you suffer from, PTSD or anxiety or, or whatever right. the case How as a friend can I help you best? Honestly, asking. I know that people, it might seem, 
it might seem really silly, but ask because everyone has a different style. Um, ask what is it that you can do for a friend and treat them in a way that they want to be treated. There's a that you know that saying that says like treat people how you want to be treated. I, I don't not I do not believe in that at all. Like everyone wants to be treated differently. You don't want to be treated the same way I want to be treated. So you need to treat people how you how they want to be treated. And there's a common um, saying in social work where it says you meet the client where they're at. So if somebody if they cope with depression by laying in bed in the dark for four days, then let them, you know, because right now there isn't a lot to do because I would say, like, go visit a friend and do this and do that. You have to let your friend sometimes go through stuff, but remind them that you're there for you. Just like if a friend, I had a bunch of people that um, they had family members pass away from COVID. My partner, his his uncle um, passed away from COVID. My best friend, her grandfather, like had passed away. So I think it's, you have to, you can be there for people, but you don't have to feel obligated that you need to be there for them 24 seven, because you also have to take care of yourself and you can't pour from an empty cup. You know that I always kind of say that. Um, and if you knew that your friend was already diagnosed with PTSD and depression and anxiety, if you have a friend that you know is struggling with any kind of mental illness, that conversation is always a conversation to have about how you can help them. If you have a partner that tells you, hey, I struggle with um, schizophrenia and I struggle with this and I struggle with that. Ident help them identify what their triggers are. Um, help them kind of talk about how they're feeling so that when they are going through a crisis, you can better assist them. Um, but I think a lot of the times we think it's about us. We get upset when they react a certain way. We get upset because they don't want no help and they're stubborn and I'm not helping them and da da da. They want to be sad. No, it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about that person and everybody deals with stuff differently. And, and I think you you bring up a good point, and I think it's Untouchable Eve 07. Both. Oh, hey, Rosalind! Sorry, that's my girl. Oh, Got no, but little she, hearts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> guys, you guys both make a good point of just, like, listen. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, I've, I've learned a lot through, like, relationships that I've had with people, mm -hmm. like, in general, not just, like, girlfriends or whatever, Um, that listening, being heard is one of the best things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And sometimes that people are venting to you not for advice. They just want to be heard or they just need, uh-oh, oh, there you go. Sorry, <laughs> that just, was weird. So they, they just want to be heard. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Um, and sometimes they don't need um, advice. They just want to let it out. So you guys both make good yes. points with, um, to say. Yes, you know, yes. Um, now, say I was struggling with, schizophrenia or, or some sort of uh, thing, how can I go about, and, and not just schizophrenia, but how can I go about asking for help? Um, I guess it all really starts by talking to someone. So I, I, I guess it depends on what your aim is. If you wanted to ask for help because you're in a crisis, there's plenty of resources and I can share them with you, Jacob. So you can put them like in your like show notes and stuff like that. Um, there's plenty of hotlines for people who are um, thinking about hurting, themse hurting themselves who are suicidal. There's hotlines for people in abusive relationships. 
there's hotlines for teens who just want to vent about like their parents and homework. There is literally a hotline for everyone. Um, there's Talkspace, which is a resource for you to text um, a therapist. It, it costs money, obviously. It's like a, it's basically like tele, uh, I was gonna say telehealth, but everybody might not know what telehealth is. Telehealth is what therapists are using now to talk to their patients. So it's basically like this. Um, and that's how they do their sessions. It's just called telehealth, but uh, Talkspace has been around for like ever, like um, Michael Phelps is not like a sponsor for it. And it's a way for millennials kind of to talk to a therapist without ever going to like an office because now everyone's on their phone. Um, but if you are someone that was in crisis at the moment, there's resources in your area, um, depending on what town you live in. If you have a person, Hopefully everyone has a person, if you know what I mean, of that person, like your person that you talk to that will be like, um, where, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll help you hide the body, like that person. Like everybody <laughs> needs a person. So if you have that person that you can talk to, reach out to them. If you don't know how to start the conversation, honestly, the internet is a great resource. Um, if you don't know how to like talk to a friend about like, hey, I am feeling this way and that way, you can always research it. Um, I know a lot, there's a lot of people that I know who are therapists and social workers. I guarantee that everyone on this live knows someone who's a right. therapist or social worker or who's in school for psychology and stuff like that. Ask them like, hey, I would like some, some help or I'm not feeling good or something like that. And also, Use your trusted resources. If you have a, um, a primary care physician, if you have a teacher, if you're in school and you have a school counselor, really, I, I mean, that's the advice that they give to kids, like talk to a trusted adult. I would tell an adult that, honestly. Like talk to your primary care physician and let them know, like, you know, I'm, don't even realize it, but symptoms of like depression and anxiety and a mental health diagnosis usually starts with like, uh, trouble sleeping, um, trouble eating. They're usually physical symptoms first. Um, yeah, and then it goes into like mood, um, mood swings. Um, I've heard of people having a lot of headaches that have like personality disorders. Um, some They call them somatic symptoms. So symptoms that appear in your body, but you think that you're like sick or, or like sick or whatever. Um, so yeah, when it comes to that, if you're having any symptoms that you think are like strange, that it would be good to talk to also like a mental health provider. Um, another red flag would be um, if you have someone in your family who's diagnosed with a mental illness. So if you're a mom, dad, grandparents, someone in your lineage struggles with depression and anxiety that heightens the chance of you having it like in your genes kind of. Um, Another red flag is someone who has um, died by suicide. That usually heightens the chance that somebody else in the family would die by suicide. Um, that, that's what the research says. There's a bunch of reasons why, but I don't want to like get into that right now. But so there's a lot. There's a lot. Right, right. And and I noticed you said like a lot of the people that you said to maybe go talk to are certified professionals. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously like. If I go to Ryan, be like, "Hey, I need to talk. I'm feeling X, Y, Z." Mm -hmm. He can be an ear to listen, but you put emphasis on talking to someone 
who is certified to actually maybe diagnose right. you or give you the right advice, right? Right. So, yeah, exactly. At your, I don't know if this should happen, but um, hopefully this is happening at every primary care appointment. Like, for example, Untouchable Eve, Evelyn, she's a nurse. We used to work together, and at our health center, we are supposed to ask questions about depression and anxiety and all that stuff. Even though, like, most of the time, most people who don't struggle with that, like, yeah, no, 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 like, they get annoyed. Um, we have to ask. We ask those questions at every appointment because you never know the circumstances. You may not have no history, and then all of a sudden, COVID happens, or you have a definite family, or something happens, and now those questions make sense to you. So, yes. Um, even dentists ask those questions. Every like nurse or like triage person, wherever you go, usually ask. And like most people like don't catch up on it, don't catch it. But um, we had this whole like this, we've, I've had, a, I worked at different uh, medical centers and it was like an initiative in Connecticut and it was huge because people didn't ask before, but they're supposed to ask. So they're supposed to ask, um, have you felt depressed? depressed, lonely in the last two weeks. And there's another one. This is like two questions. And then those two questions prompt more questions. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's a good opportunity for them to catch something. And then what usually happens is that if you say yes to those questions, then that will prompt a potential referral. So they're like, okay, Jacob, well, you um, rated high on a depression scale. Is there something that's going on? Do you want to talk about it? We have counselors here that can talk to you. Do you want me to make a referral? Here's your information. Go ahead and you go from there. Right, right. And and Eve brings up an interesting point in, in saying, or you mm -hmm. lost interest recently. Yeah, see, that's the second question. <laughs> so there you yeah. go. Mm -hmm. How do you, because maybe I'm just not in the sun anymore. You know what I mean? And then, and, and I'll maybe mm -hmm. open up yeah. a little bit. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, you've known me since high school. Mm -hmm. Soccer has been life. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, and then at the beginning of this year, I was in preseason, and I just, for some reason, was just like, I just didn't, I wasn't enjoying it anymore. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And for me to say that is like, wait, what? Jacob's not soccering? So how would you realize, like, okay, I'm not interested in something anymore. Maybe that's a, a red flag. Because there's more than that. Um, someone who may not be interested in soccer anymore may not cause me to have a red flag because maybe you're replacing it with something else. Right, so it right. always, it starts with questions that are pretty basic and then it goes to um, having a bigger conversation. So a good, a, how do I say, a good provider, a good friend, a good person who knows you and knows like, for example, I haven't recorded in a while and Evelyn was like, Amneris, where, where's the podcast? Why haven't you recorded? And I told her like what I was going through and how I didn't, you know, the, we had a couple of deaths in our family and it has been really rough and I can't get on the mic and talk about mental health if I'm struggling, you know? And right. I told her that she acts, no one else acts, but that's a good person will, ask you about your passion projects and then if they see a problem they will try to figure it out and so if your primary care physician is like oh jacob i'll be playing soccer this year and you're like oh i'm not really interested any logical the common sense would be like okay well why like right. what's going on you know and i think it's necessarily not a red flag but 
you know you better than anybody else and you know if you need to talk to someone so if your primary care physicians and the thing is is that luckily and at least in this like live we're all adults and we have the opportunity to ask for help whenever we want and if the opportunity presents itself where your primary care physician is like well you seem to be having like mild depression. Do you want to talk to someone? And you're saying, no, they're still going to give you that referral and tell you, okay, we'll call if you want to make an appointment. Do you get what I'm saying? But it's not a red flag necessarily, but it's a conversation. Got you. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, now, I was having an interesting conversation um, with some friends the other day, and we were just talking about the healing process. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. everybody heals differently you know absolutely I mean? and part of the conversation was like um it was kind of like a, a relationship type talk and mm -hmm. we were like yo but y'all got out of relationship three years ago how are you still stuck on that you know what mm -hmm. i mean um so can you speak to what a healing process might look like or what um just just be on the healing process, I guess. On the healing process, it the healing process is something that each person has to kind of go through on their own, and it takes a lifetime. Like one thing that I always, not always, but one thing that I've talked about in the past, and I think in like previous podcast episodes, is that we're still healing from generational trauma, um, and generational trauma. I mean, if anyone's interested, I did a whole episode on it. But generational plug, trauma. Go ahead, plug your podcast. Oh, yeah, Nettie's Corner. <laughs> it's been a while, but I'll be back soon. Um, <laughs> no, but we're, we, the healing process is something that we go through our whole life, and it's never ending. Um, whether you're healing from a relationship, a move, um, the loss of someone, a change of job, um, missing college, like, we were constantly trying to recover from things. And I think people don't realize that healing and recovery, that's, a, that's the same like life cycle. Like the life cycle goes, when you're born, you go through all this shit and then you die. <laughs> and we're constantly trying to recover from life's blunders. And the more that we go through, the better we get at managing those things so the healing process doesn't hurt as bad. So when someone says, um, I'm healed, um, I've had a lot of growth and stuff like that. They probably haven't healed completely, but they have witnessed growth. So say, I'm gonna use an easy one that can resonate with people. If some, um, if a guy is always, you know, is like, you know, running through women and has a bunch of people on his phone, it's just like, that is, that's a personality that's been through a lot and they cope with things by being with women and wanting to be in the limelight. And so if a lot of men will say that they grew from being that personality because now they're able to settle down, now they're able to be monogamous, now they're able to stay in a relationship, they're healing from that past person. So what, what happens is that we're like kind of like shedding layers and we're healing from that. So you may be healing, Jacob, from your past relationship and stuff like that, and you've grown from it because you're a better man from the mistakes that you made and stuff like that. It may still hurt you if you see something or see someone, those are triggers. The, the, the thing is still there and it's still gonna trigger you, but your growth is the fact that 
it doesn't bother you as much. You know, it's like when somebody, you know, sees like their ex and stuff like that, they're still hurting. They haven't healed from that. But if they see their ex and they're like, oh my God, you look great. I'm so happy for them. That's growth. You know what I'm saying? So, but it looks different for everyone. Um, and it really depends on, uh, you know, in terms of the relationship thing, they say that you, it takes you twice, no, half the time. I forget if it's twice as much or half the time that you were with someone to re- to um, get over them. I know personally it, it would take me a long time to get over someone because I had to let them go. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to, there's stuff, if you're holding on to stuff and there's stuff that's still bothering you, it's because you're still holding on to it. The person's not doing anything. They're not being manipulative. They're not pestering you. There's a lot of, we, we allow people to like have a lot more control of us than we need to, honestly. I agree. I agree. So the things that are bothering us and the things that are on our back, we need to let that go. TMI and personal story. Can I share it? Please do. <laughs> okay. So it had been, it's been like a month. Um, found out about like three deaths to, of, of people close to me. There was a lot going on at work. It was just like crazy. And I had told my friend, I was just like, She's like a, she's going to school to be a nat- naturopathic doctor. Um, and I was like, uh, Taylor, um, I haven't pooped in like four days. And she was like, oh my God, like what's going on? And so I tell her all my symptoms and better that. And then finally I go. And then she was like, that was your body holding on to all the stress. And I'm like, bitch, what? I thought it was just because I had too much cheese. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just there's she and she literally broke it down to me she's like no like your body was holding on to all the stress of you going to the funeral and having to deal with this and having to be there for everybody and then finally when you let yourself feel when you let yourself feel your actual feelings it manifested in you shitting your brains out because you held it in for four days (laughs) right and i and i was like wow but that is that is an example of what happens like it's almost like the um the boiling pot kind of um, like not scenario but uh, metaphor about like you you have like a, a top on a pot and then the the temperature keeps going up and up and up and nobody's noticing and then it, like the top explodes that's a person right right and if we ignore our feelings for two three four weeks days months you're going to explode because in order for us to heal, we have to address how we're feeling first. It's almost like the Alcoholics Anonymous. Like the first thing that you have to do is admit you have a problem. And that's how you're going to get through it, honestly. Right, right, right. And, and it's interesting you say that because, hey, I started reading another book, by the way. You oh, probably- look at you reading. <laughs> that's two this year. I see you. <laughs> well, I didn't finish the first one. so. Oh, my God. But no, this one I'm gonna finish. It's it's called a uh, secret. Um, it's, secret is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's on the law. So you know what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And it talks about basically finding out. One of the chapters is like finding out what you're feeling and why you're feeling. So kind of like mm-hmm. what you were just saying, figuring out what's going on. Um, and you said a something about you talked about letting go. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? 
So I agree with you, but that's easier said than done. So how do we, what are some things we can do to let go? We're going to be here for a while if we talk about that. time. It's, it's COVID, sis. We got time. <laughs> how much is this? How long is this live? Well, after after you you and me, we well, we're gonna finish in a in a little bit, and then Q's hopping on after you. Oh, so okay, okay, okay. We probably got like another ten or fifteen minutes with you, more or less. Ten or fifteen minutes? I can't address letting go in ten or fifteen minutes, but I'll try. So you know, um, we gonna get you. We'll get you when COVID's done. You and I are gonna sit down one more game, but do it to the best of your ability. Yes. Um, I'm going to share my favorite way of letting go. It might not resonate with most of the people on here, so I apologize, is doing um, new moon and full moon rituals. Now, I'm going into a little bit of brujeria, so that's why I said it might not resonate <laughs> with all of you. But I know I know everyone can, can um, relate to smudging. Smudging is when you burn sage and you smudge the area for bad vibes. I know people are familiar with Palo Santo because Palo Santo is, again, you smudge the area for, uh, to bless the area. So the, I don't know how to get into this without getting into it. Okay, so the moon has cycles, okay? And, you know, okay, yeah, so she has cycles. And for the new moon and the full moon, it happens a couple of times a month. And hopefully I don't get this wrong because I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. So for the new moon, usually um, people do a ritual to manifest things that they want. And this is something that you could find on YouTube. If you just do your Googles, it's very easy to find. But usually for the new moon, it's a time for you to manifest the things that you want. People will have a journal. They'll manifest um, for like this full moon in Taurus, I want blah, 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 blah. Manifesting and affirmations is a whole totally different conversation, but they're, they, they work. Like literally writing down what you want and writing down what you want to let go on a piece of paper is magic. Okay. Think about it. Magic is a spell. So writing down something on a piece of paper and whatever you do with that piece of paper is a spell. So you have to be careful about the things that you like manifest and that you write down because they may come true, right? So for the new moon, I honestly will write down what is it that I want for them for the new moon. Then when the full moon happens, which everybody gets all crazy, like it's a full moon, everybody's acting all wild. The full moon, usually you will write down the things that you wanna let go of, back to what you asked, which is how to let go and you will burn it. That's why I said it might not resonate with everybody because that might seem a little crazy, but <laughs> it works if you believe in it. If that's your, okay. if that's your vibe, that, but that's, what, that's my favorite way of letting go. And I've used this in therapy sessions as well. I have told people, you know, who are, because a lot of people, everyone seems to have somebody that they cannot let go, everyone. Every single client has like a person that's like on their back. Like, it's just like something like that person bothers the shit out of them. And I always tell them like, this person that is bothering you that you kind of cannot let go of, write down a letter, uh, not write down, but write a letter to them and never send it and then burn it. They say that it works and it helps them, but that's always the advice that I've given to a lot of my like clients who've said that they want to say something to someone, they have all these like burning feelings. I always say like, 
if you want to write something that you want to like kind of talk to someone but you don't know how it works with someone who's passed away too if you want to like talk to someone writing a letter to them actually works and if letting them go that means that you're burning it or doing some other thing like that the reason why i use the moon cycles is because it makes sense for me because i follow the moon cycles i believe in astrology and like the whole mercury and retrograde all that stuff i believe in all that stuff so it's whatever it is that you believe in some use prayer you know what i'm saying some use um other forms of letting go people like they will throw away their stuff they'll burn their clothes like people use a lot of different stuff and it's whatever makes sense to you <laughs> you burn their clothes no, not their clothes but like i had an ex and like everything she got me we did a burning party who's we you and her no, like me and my oh. roommates. <laughs> oh, I was like, that's weird. Yeah, I never heard we, of that we before. Were a, we we're doing a bonfire and we needed shit to keep the fire. So I was like, all right, time to let go. Did you feel like you let her go? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I still like <clears throat> bothered with her a little bit after that, but it was, it was easing that I didn't see that blanket every time I walked into my room. So, so you became, you, you started the healing process then right, by burning. Right. At, ties back into the, the question. <laughs>